Well, good morning, Ascent. It's so good to see you all on today. If I haven't met you yet, my name is Maurice. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. Um, today, before we get started, I want to highlight a few things. You just saw our awesome opportunity that we have partnered with um, Chief Hayes, Louisville Police Department, and doing some great work in our community. We have a saying here that we want to bless the socks off this community, and that is something that we will be, uh, continue to stay committed to. One more thing before I get started as well, because always young adults always hit me up. What is happening with young adults? I want you to mark your calendars for October 3rd. For those of you who are 18 to 30, if you can send, call yourself a young adult, you're not invited, but you can just call yourself a young adult. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but 18 to 30, for all of you, we are coming together. That's an amazing night that we are going to be able to get together and collectively uh, get to grow in community with one another and also get to grow deeper in Jesus. So 18 to 30, for those of you who are here in the room, and also shout out to everyone that's online watching On Demand. You're probably watching this on a Wednesday or a Thursday. It doesn't matter. So good to see everybody that's here. Listen, as we get started on today, uh, I want to start off in a place where we actually uh, kind of... Uh, uh, riding the coattail of uh, our lead pastor, Bill, last week. Uh, I want to ponder a question for us a moment. And as you can see, I'm getting fancy today. I got the TV out, people. It's going to be a good Sunday here. Um, but I uh, want to ponder, ponder a question. And I want to ponder this question because I believe when we come into this room and come into this setting, um, I think it's important for us to not just see these moments, these gatherings together as something that is just a casual, just another thing that happens throughout the week. My question for us on today is, are we waiting or are we expecting? As we come here today, as we honor God's presence, the way we do that, I believe, is through expectancy. I believe that if we don't expect God to be who God is, it's not his problem. We miss out on who he is. Because sometimes I think in these gatherings, in our settings, we can sit back and wait. We can sit back and wait for the person with the mic or the worship leader or the person who's doing announcements to lead us and for that person to feed us in church language. And we'll sit back and we'll wait for something to happen. We'll wait for God to move amongst us. But I believe there's a firm dis difference between us waiting and us expecting. I believe it's the posture, the heart posture of a person who's expecting God to be who God is, because the one who gets to experience who God is. So the first question I have for us today is, are we waiting or are we expecting? And that's my prayer for us today, because I want to give you just a nudge to just center ourselves for a moment. I'm going to go into a moment of prayer in just a second. But before we even pray, I want us to sit up under that, that, that word of God and recognize, am I waiting for something? Or, am I, or am, I, am I expecting something? One is passive and one is active. And I gotta be very honest with you. I'm gonna go ahead and jump ahead in my, to my sermon notes here to just let you know that we play an active role in our relationship with God. God intended for us to play an active role in our relationship with him. So my prayer on today for all of us is going to be for us to have an expectant heart. And for some of you in the room, you're thinking to yourself, well, somebody invited me, Maurice, I don't even know what you're talking about when it comes to expecting something. Um, you guys have some great kids things. I'm glad I get just a break from them on today. And it's just, you know, something that I just get a chance to do. Somebody invited me. I drove by and I wanted to find my way on in here, get a chance to just experience something. I got you. Don't worry about that. You wouldn't even identify yourself as a Christian. That's totally uh, okay. But for those of you who are Christian, I want you to stay expectant. For those of you who are what I would call spiritually curious, I would encourage you to stay curious. Some of us are going to stay expectant today, but for those of us who are saying, listen, I'm kind of more on the margins. I'm just kind of, kind of trying this thing out. I want you to stay curious on today. 
Because I believe what God does with our curiosity is that we see he even works in our curiosity. And that's actually where we'll see ourselves later on today in today's passage. So there's two groups, staying expectant and staying curious. Here's my prayer for us on today. It's found in Psalm 145, 15 through 16. It says this right here. The eyes of all look to you in hopeful expectation and you give them their food in due time. You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. This is going to be my prayer. Would you bow your heads with me as I pray this prayer one more time and as we center ourselves in the presence of God? Lord, I pray this prayer of Psalm 145 on today. It is all of our hearts posture to be expectant. So I say these words again before you, before all of these people. The eyes of all look to you in hopeful expectation, God, and you give them their food in due time. You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. Today, I want to start us off with one simple phrase here. It's going to be a quick segue. Human beings will do the most extreme things to obtain optimal vision. As we start our time together, that's where I want to start off. I want to start off with just this simple phrase, human beings will do some extreme things to obtain optimal vision. Why do I say this? I say this because I live with a woman. She's not here today, so I get to rag on her a little bit and just go ahead and just, uh, just do these, you know, we like to uh, tit for tat a little bit. But she is blind, people. She is blind, blind, blind. And I know for a second, I'm going to sound like a young, naive, foolish person. I'm going to go ahead and own that. I'm going to go ahead and own that because I don't understand people who cannot see the world, who cannot see things. And I get it. There's a whole different world. God's going to get me later on in life. I'm going to have huge bifocals and just talking about running around, chasing young people, saying, you don't understand. I get it. But for now, I sit in a place of wondering what in the world is going on. So my wife and I, we were just hanging out um, at Denver Improv this past Friday, and we were having day night, we we're hanging out. And I can, I'm telling you right now, from stage to stage, we're sitting over there, the comedian is over there, and every two minutes, Aisha's nudging me, I can't see him, I can't see him. She forgot her glasses at home. And I'm sitting there like, I don't care. I'm trying to laugh right now. But for whatever reason, this uh, obstruction of her vision is bothering her. It keeps her from held back. And I'm like, listen, lady, I'm trying to listen to this comedian, trying to have a good time and laugh. Awesome husband, right? Date night, supposed to be enjoying each other. And I'm just kind of like distancing myself, right? Um, But I keep running into these moments. Uh, So she found herself the other day, I guarantee you, like the other day, she's like her hand, she's walking around the house doing this. And I'm like, babe, what are you doing? She's like, babe, I cannot see further than my hand. I cannot see further than my hand. And I'm just like, some of it, I'm like, it's in your head. I'm just like, all these things, right? Um, So she gets to a point where she is now researching and begging for LASIK surgery, LASIK eye surgery, LASIK eye surgery. Maybe you've heard of this before. But she goes to the, the eye doctor. They tell her exactly what I said. Listen, you don't have that bad a vision. You're okay. We actually can't perform that with your vision. You're actually good enough to see. Uh, we got some more glasses for you. That's totally fine. But you're not at the point of needing LASIK eye surgery. People, LASIK eye surgery. I was going to show a video here, but we don't promote like legal eye gouging. So I want to read a summary for you just for a second of what this is. LASIK surgery, people, 
is usually completed in 30 minutes or less during the procedure. You lie on your back in a reclining chair. You may be given medicine to help you relax. After numbing drops are placed in your eye, your doctor uses an instrument to keep your eyelids peeled open. Suction ring is placed on your eye just before cutting the corneal flap may cause a feeling of pressure and your vision may be, your vision made them a little. Your eye surgeon, people, uses a small blade to cut a small flap away from your eye, from your eye, this is supposed to be eye, from your eye, <laughs> holding back the flap allows your doctor to access the part of your cornea to be reshaped. This is wild. Unless, oh, sorry, hold on, there's more. Using a laser, your eye surgeon reshapes part of your cornea with each post of the laser beam. A tiny amount of the corneal tissue is removed after reshaping the cornea. The surgeon leave the flap, leave the flat back in place. Uh, uh, trying to do a, um, you know, when you say it, you try to speak it and just try to the words come out. This is not in, in what it's supposed to say. Um, <laughs> but I was reading from a website, incredible source, people, and I read it and it was saying these words. I was like, what a laser, a blade peeling back the covering of your eye. I watched the video. I just concluded simply gross. I was like, this is insane because humans will take extreme measures to obtain optimal vision. What in the world does this have to do with what we are talking about today? Well, listen, I believe we are in a series right now entitled Go. It's a Go series. And what we're doing is we're collecting a few passages that we see in scripture. And these passages that we see throughout scripture, what we're doing is we're gathering them to see what is God saying to us today. There's a few passages that there's an emphasis around Go. For some of them, you'll see in the coming weeks that go and wash yourself in this river, go and make disciples. There's all these different goals that God gives us. And I believe what we can learn on today is that the same go passages that we'll be exploring today applies for us today. There's an author that was writing it and it was intended for a certain audience, but I believe every single time we see in scripture, these go moments, it was the cusp of someone's next season. It was the, the season that somebody was about to step into. Their go moment determined what their life was about to be next. And what we see here with for all of us is that we are all going to face go moments. Not only did it happen in, in, in scripture, but I believe God places go moments in front of every single one of us. And are we gonna play an active role in the trajectory of our faith or will we wait or will we, will we be expecting, like I said earlier? So what is a go moment, a go moment? God places go moments in our life. I define a go moment like this as I read throughout scripture, a go moment, an opportunity for God's instruction to open our eyes to the fullness of who God is. Now, I'm gonna get fancy on you just for a second. Uh-oh, get fancy for you. Uh-oh, there we go. <laughs> I'm gonna get fancy just for a second. I want us to see here the word opportunity and the word eyes, the word opportunity and the word eyes. Why do I bring that up? Because I believe when we see go moments in our life, the way we see them is gonna be the way that we go about approaching them. Do we see the go moments that we're about to explore in just a few minutes as something, as an opportunity or do we view it as obstruction to our vision? 
like what we see, like, my, like, like Aisha was facing, like what some of you may face. We see things in life, and it's like this is more of an obstruction to my vision. Or do we see God's instruction as an opportunity? The second word that I open there is opening our eyes. I say opening our eyes because I believe how we see Jesus will always impact how we approach Jesus. How we see Jesus will always impact how we approach Jesus. These gold moments that we see throughout scripture, people got a chance to see God for who he was. When they began to step into, play an active role in their faith, they got to experience God's grace, God's mercy, sometimes God's rebuke and correction, his purpose for their lives, but it all happened for in the moment of a go moment. And today, how we approach Jesus is going to be exactly, how we see Jesus is going to play, is going to be the very thing of how we approach Jesus. See, we can see things where you play, it's a very, it's a big difference when you see uh, sterling silver and when you see a diamond. When you see a 2021 Mercedes Benz, when you see a Ford Focus, the way you see something is always going to determine how you approach it. And sometimes in scripture, we see people just approaching Jesus as a good person, a prophet, a rabbi, someone that, excuse me, someone who was able to uh, uh, t- uh, tell people uh, good things, encourage people. He was an encourager. All of these different things, he did play a role in those things, and he did do those things. But how many of them were able to see him for Messiah, see him as Savior of this world? That is what we're going to lean into in the story that I want to read for you. I want to give you a quick context for a moment. This guy named Luke, that's where we're going to be finding ourselves in Luke chapter 17. Luke is an eyewitness of watching Jesus in this account that I'm about to read for you. And what he does is he's jotting down in a very unique way what he is about to tell people, what Jesus is about to do in this next go moment. And we read this passage as we see this here. It says this right here. Now on his way to Jerusalem... Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and cried out in a loud voice, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. When Jesus saw them, he said, go show yourselves, there's the passage right there, to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, when he saw that he was healed, sorry about that, when he saw that he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Luke 17, verse 11 through 19. This go passage that I want to read for you today that we are going to explore is detailing for us a go moment in a man's life. It was actually 10 men, but there was only one who decided to come back and thank Jesus for who he was. I I want to make sure that we're detailing and talking about this because when we see Jesus clearly, I believe it changes the trajectory of our entire lives. 
And for this man, there was something about his movement. There was something about him seeing Jesus as the one who cleansed him that his life moved beyond just what everybody else was thinking. See, there was 10 men who was cleansed. There was one man who was saved. 10 were cleansed and one was saved. Now, I want to go through a few things here in detail of this whole passage because there's actually so much in here. And there's a few barriers that we see in Scripture. There's a social barrier, a physical barrier, and a spiritual barrier. Let me slow down here and detail some of this. There's a social barrier, first and foremost, because of the word leprosy. As we go through Scripture and we see what leprosy is, leprosy in that day and time was a skin disease. And it was very visible. It was something that was boils all over your body. It was something where people were actually ostracized because of the skin disease that they had. Verse 12 tells us, as he was going along in the village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. These, this skin rash would slowly spread across the body. And there was a condition that people were in that would actually have them pushed outside of the community. Now, why do I bring this up? Because there is a social barrier here. There's a social barrier that actually people saw them as less than, saw people who had leprosy as less than. Now, I say all of this because there's something in all of our lives. Maybe you don't have skin cancer. Maybe you don't have a skin disease. Maybe you don't have something that's visible that everybody can see. But my question for us on today is what is your leprosy? What is your leprosy? What, what is that thing that you wouldn't necessarily put on your resume? That very thing that you probably struggle with, the thing that no one really knows about you. See, there was something socially here that they had to deal with, and it was visible to everyone in the community. But sometimes we face things that aren't so visible. But if people knew them, then we would actually be socially distant from people because they would actually, in that day and culture, if you had leprosy, you were pushed, not only pushed aside from society, but you had to call out the word unclean when people walked by. You had to physically move away from someone and yell out the words unclean, unclean. And what is the leprosy that we deal with? What is your leprosy on today? The very thing that you struggle with, the thing that actually impacts your entire world, something that may have happened to you years ago, but you haven't let go of it, the thing that you may run from, but it continues to show up in every relationship that you're in. Maybe it's not the skin disease that we see in Scripture, but all of us have something that keeps us from moving forward, that if society knew this about myself, I would be pushed aside. Maybe it's not something that's super deep. Maybe it's the ego thing that you may deal with when it comes to life and relationships. That selfishness, that bitterness that you can't get rid of. You don't know why you're continually angry in every single scenario. What is the leprosy that we deal with on today? I bring this up because there is a social barrier that we see in Scripture, and the writer is trying to show us that there is something that is supposed to keep Jesus from this people, from this group of men. There was something that was supposed to keep Jesus from these men. But not only was it something that was a social barrier, but it was a physical barrier. Verse, uh, the, one of the verses t says that they stood at a distance. 
So not only do we have social barrier, but we have a physical barrier. The writer is telling us that the men stood off. Like I said, they had to yell out, unclean. But isn't it interesting? I want to pause for a second. I want to just go ahead and put a, a parenthesis here just for a moment. That normally, on every single day of their life, they're supposed to yell out, unclean. They're supposed to identify themselves by their condition. Their entire identity is wrapped up in the things that they struggle with, the things that they have faced, the things that they're going through in life. That's their entire identity. These leprous men that we see in Scripture, the only identity that they have that the writer has given us is that they had leprosy. These people could have been faithful fathers, awesome businessmen, great leaders in their community, a coach on a football team. These men could have been uh, people who loved sports and were into gaming. These men could have been all sorts of things, and yet there was one thing on their list that they were only identified by, that it was the very thing that was in some ways the Achilles heel in their life. And so socially they are kicked aside and physically they are kicked aside. They have to run away from there. And every single moment they have to yell out unclean. But in this moment, what do they say? They yell out, master, have mercy on us. Their word that they were culturally mandated, supposed to say, was unclean, and they said, Master, Jesus, have mercy on us. I believe it's something about when we get to a place in the deepest, darkest moments of our life that we radically change the things that we're doing, the things that we're saying. And what happens in this moment is so pivotal because they don't just see him as a good person. They don't just see him as a prophet. They see him as Master Jesus, the one who has the ability to not only be compassionate, but change their circumstance. Because how we see Jesus will always impact how we approach Jesus. What are you calling him on today? What are the words that you are calling Jesus on today? What is the thing that you need to start saying? That you've been, you know, having a normal prayer life maybe, and maybe things have been having a normal routine, but you're you're in a situation and you're seeing something differently or you're facing something in life. What, What is the words that need to come out of your mouth? They were culturally mandated to say unclean, but they decided to say, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. They stood at a distance. So we see a social barrier in scripture and we see a physical barrier in scripture, but there's not only those two, there's one more. There is a spiritual barrier in scripture. Verse 16 says, and he was a Samaritan. Luke, the writer here is really interesting because he actually is is sort of like this uh, aha moment, kind of pull the rug from underneath their reader because the reader that Luke was writing to was more than likely the audience of a Jewish person. And as they're reading this text, they're going to be saying to themselves, yes, they're leprous men. One came back, thanked God. He had enough gratitude to see Jesus for who he was. That's the way to go. And there's one last insert that he puts in there. And he was a Samaritan. Why does Luke put that there? Well, to give a cultural context for a moment, a Samaritan was someone who was viewed as unclean, as less than. 
In that day and time, it was only viewed as the Jewish person who had access to God, who, who was the chosen people of God. And if you were a Gentile, Samaritan, any other ethnic group, you were viewed as less than, as dogs, even some scripture would say. And so as the reader is reading this and they're kind of getting high and mighty, like, look at these awesome men he puts in there. And he was a Samaritan. This is a spiritual barrier because there's something between the Jew and the Samaritan in Scripture that we see as a barrier. The Jewish person in this day and age would actually view this Scripture as uh, one where the Samaritan was very distant from Jesus, and there was no way that Jesus would have anything to do with a Samaritan person. It's the same thing that we see throughout Scripture in the book of John, chapter 4, where it's the Samaritan woman. Always, when you're reading Scripture, take note of those little details, of little things like that. Because this person was not supposed to be a person that Jesus interacted with. And maybe today, for you, you feel socially distant from God. That the things that you face, the things that you deal with, that nobody really knows, you kind of hide behind the mask, not the physical mask, I know we got to wear masks, but you hide behind it more of a, a mask just socially. That there's not really a part of you that everybody fully knows. You don't really show up fully in every circumstance because they may view me a certain way. Maybe your thing isn't socially on today and you don't feel a social barrier or distant from God, but you feel a physical distance. I would deem that physical distance as something where you just kind of seem afar off. You call yourself a Christian, you identify as a Christian, but it just feels like there's distance between you and Jesus. Like you can just, the geographical, like he's over there sort of scenario, the imagery of I'm just away. I'm not close. I'm not in communion. I'm not having an intimate relationship with Jesus. There's this just distance that you feel in your prayer life and your devotion. And you used to kind of in your car drive down the street and say a few prayers right before you stepped into work and you just feel distant from God as if in some ways he's not even listening. Maybe yours isn't social or physical. Maybe today you feel spiritually distant from Jesus. Spiritually distant is one that I would categorize as a category where you don't really know where you are when it comes to your relationship with what people would call Jesus. You're more of what I called earlier, spiritually curious. Maybe you're skeptical of some of the things around church or the language of uh, religious institutions. You're kind of on the fence. You don't really recognize all the things that Christians recognize or identify with. And you just kind of sit back and you're spiritually distant on today. Well, why in the world with the writer, and why in the world would I get up here and talk about a distant and barriers of social and physical and spiritual? I say all of these things because when it comes to Jesus, when it comes to our pursuit of him, it is always recognized. This is the main point I want to emphasize right here, radical pursuit. We see social, we see physical, and we see spiritual. I bring up all of those things, not to just detail what happens culturally and all of those things. I bring up all of those things because there is not one barrier in this world that Jesus would not cross and would not go over and would not tear down to find himself in relationship with you. 
There is not one, whether it's spiritual, whether it's physical, whether it's social. Maurice, I deal with this on a daily basis. Maurice, I'm going through these things. I got some things that I'm facing here. I don't know if God would actually accept a person like me. You don't know what I've done, Maurice. You don't know actually what I've been through. You don't know the story that I've had to face. There's some traumatic things that I have gone through, and I can't even really reconcile them with my faith, and I'm facing some things here with a, in a crisis. I want to just detail for you exactly what Luke is trying to get the point across, that no matter the barrier, Samaritan, leprous man who was distant from God still was worthy of God's love. And that's worth mentioning on today. Because if we're going to have go passages, if we're going to recognize that God is in many ways calling us to go, to move into a different area of our life, to move into these different uh, seasons of life, then we've got to recognize that Jesus has a radical pursuit of us. And radical pursuit will always demand radical obedience. A radical pursuit of us will always demand a radical obedience. What do I mean by that? We see in scripture that it says simply to go show yourself to the priest. The essence of this go passage is radical obedience. That, that, that's my main emphasis is radical obedience. Whenever we have a radical pursuit of God's love towards us, there is a radical obedience that he is calling for us to have. And the scripture says, go show yourself to the priest. But it doesn't stop there. It says, go show yourself to the priest. And in the next verse, it says in verse 14, and as they went, they were healed. So why is this the go passage for today? As they went, they were healed. I want to identify for you on today. What, what, is, what is your radical obedience look like? Because I think for some of us, we've actually thought we would experience God in a particular order. And we sat back and we thought to ourselves, you know, maybe he'll do this in my life and then I'll be able to obey. Or maybe he'll do something and then I'll follow after him. There's a radical obedience that we see. And the people in that day and age, they knew when Jesus says, go show yourself to the priest, the priest didn't have the ability to heal them. The priest didn't have the ability to help their situation physically, nor socially. The priest didn't have the ability to change their spiritual situation. The priest didn't have the ability. The only thing, the role that the priest played was an inspector. These men, they would go to the synagogue and the priest would inspect their bodies to make sure that they don't have leprosy. And then they would declare what was already seen, what was already confirmed throughout their physical situation. But you gotta remember that in this day and age, leprosy was an incurable disease. So these men are hearing a command from God to go show themselves to the priest and they walk as if it's a curable disease and the priests have the ability to change their situation. They move in a direction as if their situation has already changed. What if your experience of God is waiting for you to move? As they went, they were healed. The priests in that day, they were only able to declare what was already done. And so we don't know which step it was 
But the Bible says they took steps towards the priest. They took steps to go show themselves in the synagogue. And as they looked around, they saw themselves and they were cleansed. But it was only one who had enough wherewithal to recognize I'm not just in this for the reward of cleansing. There is a source that is worthy of my praise. There is someone worthy of my praise. He didn't just cleanse me. He has the ability to heal me, to save me. And he decides to turn around and go towards Jesus. What does this go passage mean for us on today? I've been sitting in a space um, just, you know, by myself and thinking more and more around what is that radical obedience look like? What is my radical obedience in this season? I was uh, just recently at a friend's, um, uh, went to a friend's church and I got a chance to hang out with him and we were uh, having a great time. And I got a chance to connect him a little bit. I haven't seen him in a long time. And he starts to detail for me some of the things that he's been facing. I mean, some hard things, things that he has not been able to overcome, things with his kids, things at his church, all this pandemic stuff, things with work. And I've been getting to talk with him and he just began to detail all of these things are chaotic and he can't even find the familiar in his life. He has nothing consistent that's going on for him right now. And one of the things that he said, and one of the things that I'm adapting for, adopting actually for this season of my life, he says, Maurice, what I've learned to do in this season more than anything is I learned faithfulness. I've learned faithfulness. And as I started to ask him a little bit more questions around that, he says, listen, everything's, you know, going wild. Everything's going crazy. But God's faithfulness to me is something that I now in return have to give to him and the community around me. And for me in this season of my life, I sat back and I said, you know what, what, what if this next season for me, what if the radical for me, as I'm longing to find something else in God and I'm just turning, you know, 30, 30 and going to this next decade. And what does God have for me? What, what is something? I got this list of things that I want to do in life. And what, what, what is that thing for me? And for me, it's going to be faithfulness. Faithfulness to God. Faithful in serving work. Faithful in serving my wife. And that's my radical. I'm starting right there. For this season of my life, and it's not like I haven't been, but it's not like I've played an active role of caring for all of those three things. An active role of seeing what does it look like to make sure it's not just passive. I believe when we take steps towards God, it is in our action, it is in our go moments that we see him for who he truly is. As they went, they were healed. And as the band makes their way to the stage, that question is the one that I have for you. What's your radical in this season? What's your moment of responding to the pursuit of God for this next season? Mine's been something that I've been sitting with and I've been talking with my wife around of what do these things look like of just being faithful, just remaining faithful. I've learned faithfulness was the words of my friend. And I want to learn that in this next season. What do you want to learn in this next season? I can guarantee you the way that you see Jesus is going to be the same way that you approach him. 
And for every single person in this room, you are going to be faced with go moments. And every single time a person was faced with a go moment, when they leaned in, when they played an active role in their relationship with Jesus, it changed the trajectory of their life. As we sit here today and we sit under those words of go show yourself to the priest, there was one more go passage in that verse. And once the, all those things happened, it said, rise and go. Your faith has healed you. Your faith has healed you. It was steps that this man had to take that he believed Jesus as master. He believed Jesus as his source of change. And he returned to Jesus. He came back to Jesus and gave him thanks and praise. See, when God reaches you in your deepest, darkest depths, there is no way that you cannot return and be in awe and wonder before his presence and say, Lord, I thank you. There are people in this room who have experienced God's hand of grace and favor reach down into the darkest seasons of your life and him was very, he was very present in your life. And the only other response between a radical pursuit is a radical obedience. Take the step on today. Go on today. Rise and go on today. And while you're just maybe in your place of, I don't know what's next, and you're waiting to see something change, and you're, they could have sat there and looked at their hands and nothing was moving, nothing was changing. They still had boils on their skin. They still had step after step after step. And as they went, their belief in God's words, their belief in Jesus' declaration over their life started to transform step after step. And they begin to look and see that things were no longer what they used to be. See, it's in our movement, it's in our stepping, it's in our faithfulness to God that we will look up one day and look around and say, there's something different about my life. I don't have the bitterness that I once had. I don't have the anger I used to struggle with. That thing that was my leprosy, I don't know which step it fell off, but it's not here anymore. And if it is here, I don't struggle with it as much because God is a progressing God. Sometimes a deliverance or sanctification, big churchy words, the progress to change is just that, progress. So for you today, what is your radical obedience that God is calling you to? And in your movement, you will experience the fullness of God. We've seen it in scripture. You can see it in some of the people that's in this room, in your community groups talking to people that are around you, you will recognize one day I decided to start, start taking steps and my situation totally changed. My prayer for all of us on today as we close this message is to stay faithful. Stay faithful in your steps. Stay faithful in your relationship to Jesus. And for some of us who are sitting on the outskirts and feel that we have barriers, you can sit there long enough but in your curiosity, watch how God will overcome every single barrier, social, physical, and spiritual, to reach you where you are. And we are, when we are reached, it's our turn to reach others. That 
is the go passage for today. Go and show yourself to the priests. Rise and go. Your faith has healed you. Will you bow your heads with me? God, as we sit in this moment, some of us are sitting at a distance. Some of us are sitting socially distant. Some of us are physically distant. Some of us are spiritually distant from you. And as we sit here in this moment and we think about what would it look like to be close? What what would it look like to actually have true fulfillment with you? God, you show us each and every day by the new mercies every morning, your love and your joy. May we have enough vision on today to see you clearly for who you are. And may the scales that fall off our eyes and the vision that we have in this moment be the very thing that changes our approach to you. Because God, we all will take crazy measures to have optimal vision, but I pray that you give us optimal vision spiritually, that we can see you for who you are on today. And in your radical pursuit of us through each and every barrier, may we have radical obedience. May we move towards you. May we move towards you. May we move towards you, even if our situation doesn't look better. May we be faithful in moving. And as we move, may we be cleansed. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.